Hello and welcome to the Blackadder's Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. We are aiming to help you navigate the murky and often difficult world of employment law and make sure you keep on the straight and narrow with your staff. Welcome to Season 1, where we are covering disciplinaries or formal hearings where someone might be dismissed or fired. Our aim in this season is to guide you through conducting your own disciplinary procedures from start to finish, making sure you keep in touch with the law. Welcome to episode 6, step 6 in our series of 8 podcasts. We've covered how to conduct a disciplinary hearing in episode 4. We've also examined the role of an HR advisor in such meetings. Today we're going to discuss the final step, um, how to communicate a fair dismissal. Or as some employer clients would say, how to put the final nail in the coffin. So today's episode, step 6, covers how do I communicate a fair dismissal. To help me answer this question, I'm joined by my colleague Jack. Hello JB. Morning, Simon. How are you doing? I am A-OK. How are you? Glad to hear it. I am also A-OK. Good stuff. Looking forward to the staff night out on Friday, are you? Is there a staff night on Friday? Of course there is, Simon. It's Have there. I been invited? Yeah, you you gave me the invite. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm here as your I'm your, your guest. <laughs> okay. Seems awful formal. It is formal. It's black tie. Will you wear your GMGs? I will do it. GMGs, George Michael jeans. They've been ironed and hanging, ready to go. <laughs> have the you pulling pre- pants. <laughs> have, you pre- have you pressed them? I have pressed them. Starched? Starch, obviously, yes. Yeah, Good stuff. Okay, well, let's hope that on this weekend's event, we'd hope to put these podcasts into practice and discipline someone. <laughs> Definitely. I know what you get like, boss. It is a free bar after all. <laughs> you'll be on the shots, will you? Will you be doing your normal dance moves, will you? Yeah, definitely be doing those. Probably a bit of sleeping as well. That's been a, an annual tradition, isn't it? <laughs> good stuff. That sounds good. Okay, I look forward to it. So in today's topic, let's talk about how to communicate a fair dismissal. What are your opening thoughts, Jack? The starting point on this one uh, is to make sure that you've completed and complied with all of your disciplinary procedure to the letter and that also the employer's carried out as much investigation as is necessary. Only once you've carried out all of those stages should you then uh, move towards dismissal. Good point. Okay. I mean, the last thing an employer wants to do is make a hasty decision when they don't have all the material. And like you suggest in episode four, it's wise for the employer to adjourn the disciplinary meeting for final checking of all these points before confirming the decision. Totally. I mean, one of the most common issues which arise in misconduct cases is the issue of consistency. The employee will argue, well, why am I getting sacked for this when my colleague Andy, he did something much worse last week and he got off scot-free? Yeah, we hear that a lot, don't we? A lot of people do seem to use that as as employees. Um, I can't think of any examples of putting this in practice. Can you think of any, Jack? Yeah, well, there was a tribunal case from, I think it was last year now, and that was uh, an employee who was raising various issues of inconsistent treatment. And the employer, when being told about, oh, Joe Bloggs did this and Joe Bloggs did that, the employer actually noted in the minutes, we're only here to talk about you. Mm, that doesn't sound very good for the employer's perspective. Not brilliant from the person who was chairing the disciplinary no. and who's meant to be open-minded and impartial. No. So yeah, I kind of bashed my head off the tribunal table when that evidence crept out. Did you really do that, did you? I did. <laughs> Knock some sense into yourself. <laughs> yeah, my performance was actually a lot better after that. <laughs> okay, okay. so it's important that the manager demonstrates a degree of um, consistency and that evidence there was 
you know, bad. Only here to consider you, so that's, that's bad. That's bad yeah. evidence to give. Terrible. Okay. So I think your message here is to look into anything else the employee has to say before confirming your decision. Yep, that's the one. So many employers look stupid in the witness box when they're given a grilling by the lawyer who says, why didn't you just take five minutes to speak to so-and-so? Yeah, I mean, it's such an easy step for the employer, decision maker to take, and it almost can cure any, you know, last minute inconsistency or problems with the case before dismissal. Yeah. Another important step is for the employer to consider whether they have reasonable grounds um, to believe the employee carried out the misconduct and whether they had reasonable grounds on which to base that belief. Yeah, well, I've got reasonable grounds, Simon, to believe that you will be Madwiet at the office <laughs> do on Friday. <laughs> Madwiet? Madwiet. <laughs> okay. That's, a Blair, say- that's a Blair Gowrie phrase. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I don't speak Blair Gowrie. I do, I do. Okay, so you're quite excited about it, Jack, are you? I am. Someone's got to be. <laughs> okay. Um, back to reasonable belief. Sorry, yep. As you say, Simon, that's the legal test which the Employment Tribunal would apply in misconduct cases. And the good news for the employer is that it is a relatively low test to get over, as long as the employer can show that they had reasonable grounds to conclude that the employee did the thing in question, then, you know, you're probably going to be home and dry. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the point, isn't it? Quite often we hear clients say to us, you know, they compare employment tribunal proceedings to um, criminal law. And unlike criminal law, there's no need to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the employee was guilty of the allegation of misconduct, or gross misconduct. Now, that's not a, a, a concept we're familiar with in the employment tribunal procedure. Similarly, um, there's no need for corroboration either. So you only need to say, you know, he said, she said, I believe him or I believe her. And you need to, you know, seek to try and find two people to corroborate something did or did not happen. Yeah, and that's good news because it does uh, limit the burden on employers and also means we don't need to call Donald Finlay in to sort the situation out. Can you imagine him in a tribunal? He'd be amazing, wouldn't he? I, I would hire him. Can you smoke in a tribunal office still? I don't think you can. I, I think <laughs> they've got a wee cigarette shed outside the Dundee <laughs> okay. Tribunal now. So we'd see him puffing on his, on his pipe outside the Dundee Tribunal office? Maybe. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, what about this, Simon? See when the person's conducting the disciplinary hearing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, the person should think about other sanctions short of dismissal? Definitely. I mean, that, that's a, a good thing, a good thing for the employer to do. I often hear that employment law myth that the employer has to go in the procedure of verbal warning, first written warning, final written warning before they dismiss. Um, and thankfully, that is, as we know, um, a myth and is not true. Um, in case of serious misconduct, the employer can go straight to dismissal. Although, as you say, it's quite good for the employer to say, well, I thought of sanctions short of dismissal, but decided that dismissal was the only appropriate sanction to go to. Sure, sure. So, in the unlikely event that um, I was to headbutt you in the office and I didn't already have a final written warning on why, my on Why, my why re- would you headbutt <laughs> Simon, you know it. Come on, every employee uh, fantasises about headbutting their boss. <laughs> I certainly do. No, I don't fantasize about headbutting my boss. <laughs> you don't have a boss. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's fine, Jack. Um, no headbutting, please, this afternoon. Deal. If so, say goodbye to your Christmas bonus. Christmas bonus. Christmas has just been, and I didn't get a bonus. So I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> you got a bonus. I bought you a few pints of Guinness. Cheers. <laughs> okay, so um, you're right. An employer is wise to think about whether a final written warning would be appropriate before reaching the decision to dismiss. Yep. And that's a good tip. Look at the employee's record before making your decision. If you're dealing with a very marginal case and you know you can't decide, is it dismissal, is it not? The presence of a final written warning on the person's record may well sway you towards uh, dismissal. Yeah, okay. So the employer has to take into account the employee's previous disciplinary record before making the decision. What about length of service, JB? Yeah, length of service, well remembered. That's... um, 
Similar to the previous record point, the employer also has to take into account the employee's length of service with the with the business before reaching any decision. So whilst some employers might more readily dismiss somebody who's only been in the door for three months, if you're dealing with a very long-term staff member who's kind of been in with the bricks for the, since the last 20 years or whatever, then they would generally expect to receive a more careful degree of consideration. Sure. What's your length of service, Jack? Seven years and counting. Seven years? It seems like longer. It does. It seems like a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so it's important, I think, to emphasise that some offences are so serious that length of service may not save the person. So all the employer has to do is take into account um, length of service and say, actually, even though you've got seven years service, that headbutt you gave your line manager in front of photocopier <laughs> merits don't, summary dismissal. Don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, before we wrap up, my final tip for this podcast, Simon, is that you should confirm the decision in writing with a, a narration of factors to be taken into account. Okay. And also as well, as we all know, you've got to confirm the uh, the employee's right of appeal. Sure. I mean, the employer needs to confirm in writing to comply with the ACAS code. Um, do not allow yourself to confirm a dismissal over the phone. The letter of dismissal will also be used as a cross-examination tool if you end up in an employment tribunal. So it's important for the employer um, to write down all of the factors to take into account. And it's almost like an aid memoir if you do get to a tribunal. You're able to say, OK, I remember discussing this, considering that, and here's why I came to dismissal. If you don't do that, then you may end up in a bit of bother in a future employment tribunal. Yeah, don't you mean that you'll have some sly lawyer like you will come along and sly. say... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I take that back. Some clever lawyer will come around and say... Like well, me. Like you. A good, <laughs> a hot shot will come to and say, well, you know, you're saying that today, but I put it to you that you didn't say it at the time because yeah, it's, it's not in your letter. It's much easier. It's much easier if you're the employee and you put all your factors into letters so you can then say, this is my thought process, this is my reasoning, therefore this is my decision. Um, I am not sly, Jack. It's all in the game. It's all in the game, Omar. Is that Omar from The Wire? I don't know. Have you lost me? I gave up after episode two. I found it too difficult. You're to missing out. <laughs> okay, so what are our three takeaway points for communicating a dismissal? First takeaway point is to make sure that you have all of the information available to you and you've left no stone unturned. Unturn- unturn- Watch out for inconsistencies. <laughs> you said turn-turn. I meant unturned. Unturned, unturn- 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 okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. And also watch out for inconsistent treatment. You said tentons. No, you said inconsistent. <laughs> okay. Point two, um, make sure you're satisfied you have reasonable grounds to believe in the misconduct and balance that against length of service and the employee's previous history. Point three. Last but not least, Simon, um, it seems obvious, but loads of employers actually fall into this trap. Make sure and put the decision in writing and give a fairly decent letter of dismissal so that somebody who's reading it for the first time with no knowledge of the case would at least be able to understand why the person's been dismissed. Yeah, that makes sense. That all makes sense. Okay, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening, folks. You hope We hope you found that um, episode to be um, useful. Some helpful tips for you, Jack, too, about that headbutt promise this afternoon. You said upturned. <laughs> if you'd like to communicate with us, please do. We do welcome interaction. Um, you can tweet us at Employer Simon, Employer Jack. Do you want to spell Employer Jack, Jack? Yeah, E M P L A W Y E R J A C K. <laughs> you said consistent. <laughs> please just leave it, Simon. <laughs> okay, I'm getting oh, tired of this. Okay, okay. And if you also, if you also use the hashtag, um, what's the hashtag we're going to use? E L I Y P. No. Elip. 
Employment Lawyer in your pocket. E-L-I-Y-P. E-L-I-Y-P. Hashtag E-L-I-P. And that will also draw it to our attention. E-L-I-P. Quite like that. E-L-I-P. It's like tulip, but with eel in front of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would know Jack about tulips. Okay, so um, thanks for listening, folks. If you want help with your slackers, call Jackie Boy at Black Adders. Cheers and cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.